From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are back after an unscheduled 4th of July break, and we have a lot to talk about. We'll start with two weeks of bad baseball for the guards and our first 13 Shades of Brown, Cleveland Browns 2022 season preview. On the road, we talk changes in college football and the best year in the history of Birmingham sports. Off the field, we finally get to talk about a true but fake American hero. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. It's good to be back, and thanks for having me. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for being here. So true, y'all. Comedy writer and producer Chuck Rimbaldo is here as well. <laughs> Was the, the so true, the y'all? Name? Is that the name of the... Chuck, this, this is right up your alley, okay. buddy, I think. So true, y'all, is a sketch comedy show with more than 1.5 billion views on Facebook and YouTube since 2018. Wow. The only thing, Chuck, you need for this gig is a strong background as a comedy screenwriter and a good sense of what makes Southerners laugh. <laughs> Southerners? <laughs> oh, Got some good jokes about grits, the Confederacy, in Florida? Then we have a post for you <laughs> on Indeed.com. <laughs> and that's a job, Chuck, if you're interested, that's set in Birmingham, Alabama. But they've got a hybrid remote work at the office setup going on down there. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. I watched a few of them. They're pretty good. All Southern humor, though? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh. you know, Southern people at the lake, Southern people on Easter, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, clean comedy fun, I think, on Facebook and YouTube from that, from that show. It's pretty good. But let's get started. Finally, we are back at home for another Guardians week cap, recapping this time two weeks for the Cleveland Guardians. And gentlemen, when last we met, the Guardians were a good baseball team. Now? Mm, not. Guards took three of five from the Twins, then lost two of three to the Yankees, got swept by the Tigers, played three doubleheaders in less than seven days, pitched position players three times, brought Oscar Mercado back, Fell to more than five games back in the division. The team bus ran out of gas on the way to Kansas City. The front office printer won't work and just keeps flashing PC load letter. <laughs> they blew a late lead Friday night in Kansas City. Sulcer got a paper cut. Then they got, <laughs> they got 23 hits and won by 12 runs on Saturday, but scored one run and lost by four today. The guards finished that week. 41 and 42 and four games out of first place in the central division starting on June 21st, which seems like a long time ago, the guards played every day for 16 days straight, except for one rain out that turned into a doubleheader the next day until they played the tigers. Every one of those teams that they played had a winning record. And from June 21st until tonight, the guards played 21 games in 20 days. So, too much baseball for a young team or just the worst possible time to have a bad slump? Man, I, I'm going to lean towards just the worst possible time to have a bad slump. I actually thought the, the first half of that two-week run that we've been uh, uh, that you were talking about since we've last been on wasn't bad because we won the series against the Twins who were ahead of us. And, you know, you got one out of three against the Yankees who they don't lose to anybody, <laughs> you know? So I actually thought coming out of that week, like, all right, it was a rough week, but great. Now we've got the Tigers and the Royals in front of us. Let's go five and two in these seven games. And they went one and six. So it was just the worst timing for the bats to go completely asleep. These are teams we've talked about in the past. These are two teams that you got to come out of that seven game road trip with a winning record. Four and three would still be kind of like, oh man, that kind of sucks. Why didn't we do better? And here we are one and six. Like that's just awful. And that, that sets you back. Luckily the twins have been losing nonstop too. So it's, it's not all bad, but you know, we really were set up going into that, that last week thinking, all right, we can make up some ground now. And they did the opposite. The other option was too much baseball, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm going to go that way. Even though Phil really explained it well, I'm trying to think like y'all get on runs. Uh, y'all, I should <laughs> yeah, really sign up right. for that job. Y'all, y'all, y'all get on like we all get on runs where we work a lot. 
and it's taxing. You know, like if you ever work 21 days straight, that's that's true, man. Yeah. your ass is yeah. worn out. Uh, and these guys are, are with double headers in there. Um, and it's a young team. So you, that excuse might, people might think, oh, they're young and they're athletes. That's got to be not only physically, but mentally taxing on anybody to have that much baseball in that amount of time. Uh, and yeah, it's a huge letdown because you're playing against teams, especially this week. You know, you get swept by arguably historically one of the worst offensive teams in baseball history. That's that's terrible. So I'm just going to go, hey, it's a shit week. These dudes might be burnt out. The all-star break can't come soon enough for some of these guys. So maybe they can just reset and reload and recharge. I hate to do this, but I kind of sit on the fence and that it's like a little bit of both. Uh, it's a ton of games, and I, I agree with you, Chuck, that there's like a bit of a burnout factor that comes there, but you pile onto it the fact that they keep losing, and that's just got to feel like a tidal wave on this young team that, you know, instead of finding a way to pull out of it, they just kind of get caught up and swept away by it. And so it's a combination of just a ton of games in a short period of time, youth and not winning has just been like a perfect storm of shit for this team the last two weeks. And I, I can't believe they're only four games out. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would have thought after all that, it would have been more. But as we have said before, thank God for the Central Division. Let's move on to a new segment. The Dyson Vacuum, These Guys Suck Awards. <laughs> Dyson Vacuum, suck in a good way. I also considered the Godfather 3, These Guys Suck Awards, and the You Gotta Believe, These Guys Suck Award. That's Marky Mark's second album was titled You Gotta Believe. Of course. And I would just like to point out before we move on that for all the shit I'm given for the fact that I owned that album, um, it was nominated for a Grammy in 1993. No. Nominated for Best Rap Song, Sir Mix-A-Lot, Baby Got Back, MC Hammer, Adam's Groove, which had to be from like the Adam's Family movie, right? Yeah, yeah, Adam Sandler. Queen Latifah. Yeah. Latifah had it up to here. LL Cool J, Strictly Business, and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, you got to believe. Nominees in 1993. <laughs> yep. That 93, that was a that's, good year that, for I was about to say, too, because all the real good hip-hop was <laughs> still underground, <laughs> yeah. and, and they no no way they were bringing them into the Grammys, right? To to follow on your point, Phil, uh, Baby Got Back won the Grammy that year. <laughs> so that was the best rap song ever made in 1993. <laughs> but anyway, Dyson Vacuum, these guys suck awards. On offense, Owen Miller and Ernie Clement both spent the last two weeks hitting around 200. In the starting rotation, Connor Big Velvet Pilkington, Owen won with a 540 ERA, and Bieber, 0-2 with a 5.30 ERA the last couple of weeks. In the bullpen, Eli Morgan, five appearances, 10.38 ERA. Sam Hench's six appearance, 4.40 ERA. And I don't think I updated it after he gave up another run in today's game. So that number might even be worse now. Which of those guys gets your Dyson va- vacuum, this guy sucks award for the last two weeks, Chuck? Uh, I, I started picking on him a while ago. I, I'm going to give it to the big urn only because again, I will say this, this is the last man on a roster on most major league teams and he's getting real playing time. And it's not just him. There's a bigger issue. The bottom three of this lineup is a black hole. Well, straws over the Mendoza line, I think after today. So that's, we're going to get to it, Chuck. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I got to give it to, to Clement. Like he shouldn't be put in this position. Like he shouldn't be getting this many at bats. Uh, so I don't want to blame him, but it's uh low hanging fruit. That guy sucks. You know, you know, the big urns in trouble when they trot him out there multiple times to pitch in blowouts. Cause that's basically the team saying like, Oh, if someone drills a line drive off your head, we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> Get out there and do your best. Right. But I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Eli Morgan. I, this is a guy that up until this stretch was, was really performing pretty well every time he came out there in, in our bullpen. And, and we were commending our bullpen for a while. And like anything on this young team, there's just really little room for error. So when all of a sudden a major part of your bullpen just falters like that, it's, it's rough because outside of the one game uh, this past week, we were in a bunch of tight games in the latter half of the game, meaning we were losing like two to one or one to nothing. And then the bullpen goes out there and gives up another couple of runs and it just seemed insurmountable. And it was ultimately. So Eli uh, sucks like a Dyson recently. I'm with Phil hundred percent. It's, it's, it's Eli with an honorable mention for henches just because they were both pitching so well early in the year and cratered 
in the last few weeks like not even just like a little bit bad like really really bad like costing us games bad uh and so i'm giving it to eli but sam you're not far behind buddy you're almost there let's talk about something more positive with all this losing hopefully behind us don't call it a comeback actually yeah call it that guys making a comeback this past week who do you think is the most important owen miller hit 318 with seven hits and three rbis tristan mckenzie 2-0, 0.00 ERA, 13 straight scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts, and Miles Straw. This past week, Miles Straw hit 380 with eight hits and a walk. So which is the most important comeback out of these guys? That's tough, man. I I would, all three of those are huge for this team going forward. I'm divided between Miles Straw and Tristan McKenzie. I guess I'll go with Miles Straw. What we need that guy to be is that that leadoff hitter, right? He has experience. Been fine when we plug Quan into the leadoff spot here and there. And but that leadoff position, man, offensively, you want someone with some experience that can go out there and, and get that game rolling. He's been a stud in center field, but we really need him in the offense. And that's an everyday player. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Miles Straw. But I really really liked what I saw out of Tristan McKenzie these last few weeks. These are all really good options, and I think Phil's a little biased because Phil's a former center fielder, right. so he's always yeah. going to inflate Straw or want yeah. Straw to do better, it. which Lead is a fine it. choice. I mean, it's still a great choice there. McKenzie, it, it's nice to see him have two great back-to-back starts. He showed like a few starts ago, like maybe he was starting to find it, and I know we expected a little more out of him this year after his run last year, at least late in the season. But I think I'm going to go with Owen Miller only because this guy's hitting in really important spots in this lineup, sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes five. It it's the first time he struggled this year, and it lasts a longer than I wanted to, but it's nice to see. You, you have to have somebody with pop in their bat, and I don't know if he's that dude, but he's getting plugged in to, you know, like hit squad or bomb squad, three, four, or five. That's where this guy's hitting out of. And if he continues to hit like he did this week, I'm going to be a lot happier, I guess, with, with his output. So Phil can have the leadoff spot. I want somebody in the meat of the order who's going to drive in runs. It really comes down to how you ask the question, because I think most important or most exciting, I'm most excited to see what McKenzie did. Uh, like, I'm a little yeah. bit with you, Phil, that that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to lean Phil's way, too, and, and go with Miles Straw. As you were as you were saying that, I was thinking, gosh, I wonder who the official scorer is for the Guardians. Maybe I should put him on this list and I'll vote for him. <laughs> it's probably Ernie Clement. <laughs> it should, it be. should be. Clement yeah. should be doing double duty, keeping the book in the dugout. <laughs> That's offensive. You know what? Like I think Quan has done a nice job. Filling in in the leadoff spots and Straw went down, but that's just a little bit too much to ask of a rookie to keep that going. And Straw is a guy that they gave an extension to. And I just don't think this team makes talent mistakes very often. I just think they've invested in this guy and they need him to play the way that they expected him to in the way he did in the second half of last year so straw is my guy too i think that that's a the most important guy making a comeback right now but glad to see all those guys starting to play better they just need about seven other guys on the team to start (laughs) playing better too but enough of this mess next week guards are back home with four against the white Sox, including a doubleheader on tuesday why not and then a three-game set against the tigers is this the week the guards finally figure out how to beat the stupid tigers better be man they suck they're so bad it has to be how many more games for us is it is it the last two series before this is a break it's so yeah man like it would have been nice if they would have won today too to at least have, have two wins in a row maybe get a little streak going but they have to figure out a way to beat both these teams and, and like you said the central division uh, i looked at standings today and, and the tigers are the only ones who have been over 500 in the last 10 games probably because they beat up on the indians pronounced guardians uh, so it's still in a good spot like I'm sorry, Guardians. Uh, uh, but yeah, like they're still in a, they're still in a spot where like I'm I'm the same way you said, girl. I, I can't believe they're only this many games back after the last two weeks. So uh, you have a chance here to go into the All Star break with momentum, get your rest in, and, and man, please beat up on those Tigers. How are they not? Those should all be W's every time they're yeah. on the schedule. Yeah, this better be the week they beat up on the Tigers. I'm I'm a little worried about the the White Sox series though. That's four games 
and a team that's like a game and a half behind us now. Um, and, and on paper, they are the most talented team in the division. So they might be getting healthy at the right time and poised for a bit of a run. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad for the guardians to go in there and at least take two of those four just to keep them kind of at arm's length, I guess, going into the break. Right. But regardless of what happens in that Chicago series, they got to, they got to beat up on the Tigers, man. They got to do it. Just stop pitching to Miguel Cabrera. Just just don't even pitch to him. Like he, he hits like 750 against us in every series. Like, what are we doing? It's like 2008 again. Yeah. He can't hit home <laughs> runs anymore, but he, he has like two run. I know. He has two run singles nonstop. Like, what are we doing? I hope they get it figured out. It would be nice. And, and I think it's nice to be in this division. If they could rip off like a five and two week heading into the break or even a four and three week heading into the break, they'll mm. probably make up ground, you know, and then you, a little bit yeah. of momentum yeah. after a break, hopefully keeps them going. Oh boy, guards, please get things fixed because this show's nowhere near as much fun when we've got to start talking about who's got a stick and who's <laughs> got a hose for like the young players once they're out of contention. <laughs> But let's move away from the Guardians and come back to our first 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week preview of the upcoming Brown season. And we're only nine weeks until the season starts. So (laughs) 13 Shades of Brown is now already a month late, but also just in time. Uh, Baker Mayfield was traded this week. The deal is finally done. He is a Panther now. Baker took a small pay cut. Browns agreed to pay about 10 mil of his salary for this year. And the Panthers give up a conditional fourth round pick. Immediate impact in Vegas. The Browns' odds to win the Super Bowl dropped from plus 2,500 to plus 2,800. The Panthers' odds improved from plus 1,250 to plus 1,000, all on the movement of Baker Mayfield. Browns needed to make this move at some point. Was this the right move at the right time? I don't know. Um, There was no other move out there, and I guess you were just kind of rolling the dice as the longer you waited, you would hope another team might join the the discussion, I guess, to get in some sort of bidding war for Baker Mayfield. I have no idea, but that's, that's a lot of what ifs, right? I mean, the closer things got to training camp, I think for both groups, you just needed him out of the mix, right? It's just a distraction. It's a distraction when he's not even part of the team anymore. You know, unless they, unless they were going to go out there and say, Hey, we need you to start all year because of whatever happens with Deshaun Watson, which again, that wasn't going to happen in a timely manner either. So it's a move, right? We got something that that's great. Like that, that's absolutely great. Instead of cutting this guy, which they were never going to do, or yeah. just telling him to sit at home all season, uh, we got to, you know, it might turn into a fourth round pick and in the fourth round, maybe we get our next punter. I don't know. Right move at right time. I, I don't, I would have liked it to happen sooner for him and for us as a fan base, but yeah, like at least they got something. It's weird. It sucks. I, I, I don't, I always want to root for this guy from now on. Um, and, and not because how he was treated by the front off. Not, it's not even that. I think he has a legacy here that maybe when we get a little farther away from it, this dude probably re-energized a younger fan base that could care less about the Browns when, when they made that playoff run. I'll be a fan of that. And I wasn't, when they drafted, I'm like, this guy? Uh, but he won me over. And I think he won a lot of people over. And, and maybe it went to shit. And maybe fingers could be pointed at front office and coaching staff and him. And it's probably, everybody has some blame there. So right time probably would have been, in, in my opinion, a little sooner for, you know, like for him, get him out of here, let him restart his career somewhere else. But at, at least they got a, a conditional fourth or fifth. And Phil's probably right. Our next punter <laughs> is in the future with that. Pick. You know, I think it is the move to make. You needed to get him out of there before training camp started. You just didn't need that hanging around, didn't need that story out there. I'm still surprised that there weren't more teams interested because when he's healthy, this is a guy who can win you double-digit games in a season and win you a playoff game. I mean, he's shown he can do it. And there are not that many quarterbacks out there who can do that, and there are plenty of teams about to be quarterbacked by players who can't or at least haven't yet. And so I'm surprised there weren't more people interested, but in the end, it's one of those things that makes me wonder if there's more to it than we'll ever know. Um, There's a view of him around the league as a certain way that football experts whose job it is to know just know better than, than we do. Uh, And maybe that's it. But I, I I agree with you, Chuck, man, you remember that there are 20 years of fans who never got to see the Browns when they were good like we did when we were in like junior high, you know, like those late 80s, mid 80s teams who, yeah, 
probably could have easily given up because it was never a quality product on the field. I don't know, man. I wish him well. I hope he does great. I do, man. I, I actually still think he's a good Me quarterback. Too. So we'll see. But that's it for our first four 13 shades of brown. <laughs> um, we'll be back with another one <laughs> next week. But well, why don't we take our first break? Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk Big Ten realignment, college football, and the center of the sports universe, Birmingham, Alabama. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we will start in the ever-shifting landscape of big-time college football. It was announced over the last two weeks that the Big Ten is having another realignment. In 2024, USC and UCLA will be joining the conference. All that West Coast travel is going to make it hard on student-athletes to get their homework done, but that doesn't seem to be a concern for the Big Ten. There's a lot of time on the plane. <laughs> expansion still might not be done for the big 10 it seems like they're actively chasing notre dame uh, oregon washington and for average gpa purposes stanford are all also possible teams that could be joining the big 10 so are we headed fellas to a two or three conference system SEC, Big Ten, Big 12? Are we looking to realign into one league with two conferences like the NFL? I think for now, you're looking at two or three super conferences. It's it's going to be the Big Ten and, and the SEC. When I saw that, I was like, oh, damn. You know, because like, I, I think USC is primed to for a resurgence and I'd much rather see Nebraska, I guess on the Buckeyes schedule than USC <laughs> yeah. in the next couple oh, of years. And uh, Rutgers. <laughs> and Rutgers. Oh shit. I forgot about Rutgers. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think it's, it's funny with college football the last couple of years with this realignment stuff and everybody cuts bait and jumps, then it just creates this seismic shift. But I think Notre Dame is bound at some point. They, they have to end up here as well. Uh, UCLA, who cares? But USC is the one that scares me. I guess it also means we're going to have to stay up probably later on Saturday nights, certain <laughs> seasons, uh, if the Buckeyes are playing at you know kickoffs at 1030 or whatever. But it's good and bad. I think it's bad because now it only means like two conferences mean everything. That's it. That's that's all it's going to be for the next couple of years, uh, especially if like Oregon has a chance to come too. is that I know Phil Knight started last week saying we got to get the hell out of here because uh, he kind of runs Oregon. But yeah, if, if they end up there, that's shit. That's, that, that's it. There's only two conferences I care, I guess, about football. So bowl season, I guess there'll never be like another Boise State over. Uh, God, that was the greatest football game. Who they beat? Alabama. Oklahoma. That was Alabama. Was it Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Thank yeah. you. Like that's just never going to happen again, which I guess makes me sad. But also you get Ohio State, USC, like week three. That sounds yeah. pretty good to me. It seems like the magic number that makes sense is 20 for the Big Ten, right? So I think they'll be at 16 with UC, USC and UCLA. So are they gunning for 20? And that's where they start picking off some of these other programs as these other conferences fall apart. Yeah, I think you're right. I think USC and UCLA join Big Ten in the 2024 football season, I think. So it's like two more yep. seasons. So by then you're going to have all these other, they're going to have another handful of teams joining them um, and it'll get to 20. What's interesting in all this is by default, you're going to have be at the big 10 and the sec. You're going to have two conferences that are full of all the best teams and still full of some shitty teams too, right? Like they're, that they're still in there. So is this the next step to maybe forming what we talked about in the past where there's some sort of super conference of your elite programs, your top 24 or whatever it might be that just play against each other all year. And we have to recalibrate ourselves to understanding that someone might win that with four losses because your worst game is against the 24th best team in the country. Whereas now the Buckeyes get to go out there and play people like Rutgers and you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know, like how easy is it to kick someone out of your conference? Right? So it's almost like everyone else has to leave and form something else. So until that happens, I think what you're going to see is all right, Half of the top 25 teams are represented by the Big Ten and half of the top 25 teams are represented by the SEC. And then we'll just figure it out with what right now will will still be four teams in a playoff. And, and as soon as that contracts up, we'll certainly become eight, you know, and you'll be drawing from those conferences. So I can't for the life of me decide if this is good or bad. I think as a football fan, you're going to see better competition, right? Yeah. And, you know, I guess that's good. I think it's just 
one more step toward what we thought would happen eventually, and all the haves will form their super conference someday soon. What you get that's good is you get more quality college football games all season long. What we're losing is any kind of sense of tradition or uh, the amateur nature of big time college football. Because that's out the window. Because I think you're right. Like you're going to start putting together these stud conferences and you're going to get down to two. You're going to get down to the Big Ten and the SEC probably. And the rest of these conferences, Pac-12, ACC, Big 12, they're all going to kind of fade away or take on a, a lower tier status. So you're going to get used to a more NFL style season where you can lose two or three games and still be playing for a championship because it's just you're, you're playing much better games and you're probably preparing guys better for the step into the NFL. So you may get younger players who are more effective in the NFL, even than they are now. It's just headed that way. I, I think we're going to get down to like two conferences and we'll be there for a couple of years. And then the major players in those conferences are going to say, I don't need to share money with Indiana. I just don't. Uh, I'm going to go someplace and play with a bunch of teams that make money on my level so that I don't have to share as much. And that's going to be your super conference. Uh, and that's probably where it's going. I don't know, guys. I, I feel like we could talk about this forever. There's also NBA free agency craziness going on right now. Kevin Durant might be on the move. Wimbledon wrapped up this weekend. The Scottish Open was this weekend, and that's a, a tune-up for the Open Championship, which starts next week. All-star selections are being made. But with all of that going on, we cannot, in good conscience, go a minute further without recognizing the biggest year in Birmingham, Alabama sports <laughs> history. As we've been discussing for what seems like an eternity, the USFL's second <laughs> inaugural season concluded last weekend. Birmingham hosted every regular season game and won the title. The Stallions beat the Stars in what was reportedly an exciting game. Burke was last seen <laughs> chugging beer out of one of those horse masks and yelling, all we do is win ships. <laughs> but the following week, the week after the USFL finished and starting on July 7th with opening ceremonies, Birmingham, Alabama is hosting the 2022 World Games. The World Games apparently occur... In the year following each Summer Olympic Games, the games are staged over 11 days and represent the pinnacle of competition for 3,600 of the world's best athletes in more than 30 unique multidisciplinary sports. The World Games generate worldwide exposure and provide a highly visible stage on which athletes from more than 100 countries compete for gold. Now, I will question the highly visible part. Because the only place you can yeah, find this is streaming online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised I found it at all. But I will not question for a moment the uniqueness of the sports. So, gentlemen, tell me, which of these events at the World Games do you think you would be best at? Event number one, canoe polo. Uh, it really should be kayak polo. It's five people on a team, and you play polo in your kayak. You can throw the ball to a raised goal. And I think, although I haven't gotten to see any of the event, um, I think you can swat it with your oar into a water level goal. And there might be a different level of points for that. Next event is casting with a fishing pole. According to the World Games website, casting bears a strong resemblance to angling, but neither water nor bait nor fish are involved. The athletes match up in a various accuracy-based and distance-based disciplines over dry ground with their fishing poles. Next one, parachuting. Drop you out of a plane with a parachute. You gotta, you gotta get close to the ground, skid across some water, and then stop perfectly on a specific spot. And last one is tug of war. Eight person teams and an old fashioned rope pole. This is actually one of the original Olympic sports. So we'll start with you, Phil. Which one of these do you think you'd have been the best at? Man, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I, I think I'm gonna go with the, uh, the canoe polo. <laughs> You know, you'd think tug of war, but you know what? The, the, the bad part about tug of war is you're only as strong as your weakest link. And everyone always lets me down. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> Get in the gym, damn it. <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking my intermittent uh, involvement in whirly ball combined with my combined with my uh, ability on a, on a kayak and throwing a ball and blocking it with an oar. Like, I feel like I, I may have trained for this and not known it. When I watched the YouTube video of canoe polo, 
my first thought was, this is just whirly ball in the water. Yeah. I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? Canoe, polo, casting, parachuting, tug of war. Me personally, first off, this sounds like Vegas vacation where Chevy Chase has to go to the casino way off the strip. And it's like those games, like these are the games that are presented on the world stage. I'd be more interested in the canoe polo if you just had to use your arms for everything. You didn't have oars. So maybe like paddling polo, maybe that'd be more exciting for me. God, I, I hate flying as it is. So don't ask me to jump out of a plane, skid over water and land on a. So what is that? That leaves me tug of war. I guess. Or casting. Casting. The fishing pole one. Cast it. Yes, but but yeah, what, on dry land? What are we talking about here? That's why don't we just throw grenades <laughs> then? What what's why are you casting on the dry land? It'd be like golfing on water. What's what's the point? I'm going with tug of war because it's the only game that makes sense in my pea-sized <laughs> brain right now. I don't know, man. You had more experience whirly balling than me. I think you might be all right on that thing. I mean, like my only, like I've I've done a few canoe, like my, my favorite canoe story is with Tom Burke on <laughs> the trip true. in Pittsburgh where we didn't <laughs> leave the bank and he threw up multiple <laughs> times. It's like, I don't want to go out there. I'm like, I'm with you, man. So I don't know if I'd be good. Is it in a pool or is it an open body of water? It's in a pool. See, I oh, think this maybe, is good. Yeah. I think that's, maybe, we need to put a team yeah. together. The yeah. FTL. <laughs> Oars in a how big is is it Olympic size pool? I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep digging. It's not that big a pool. But if you have oars in a pool, it's a somebody gets people get hurt. It's like whirly ball. There's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of kayak collisions from the the short YouTube video I watched of canoe polo. I'm actually with you, Chuck. I was gonna go with tug of war. I've actually been on a tug of war team before. We got our asses kicked, but I was like the lead hole. It's actually a sport that somebody my size can participate in because you want like a short, stocky guy in the front. Um, and so, you know, other than everything else I've ever tried to play, which I'm horribly sized for because I'm too little, tug of war was one that might have been okay. So that's what I would have gone with. Scale of one to five. One being Mitch Buchanan, five being CJ Parker. How hot is life saving? It's like a swim race. But in the middle, you need to rescue a dummy from the bottom of the pool and then swim it back to the edge. I actually watched this for like an hour this afternoon. So our scale, our Baywatch characters, is that what I just heard? Our Baywatch characters? <laughs> Wait, yeah. Can you give it to me to get CJ? Who? Uh, one is Mitch Buchanan, which was David Hasselhoff's yeah, Hoff, character. Man. And, and yeah, five yeah, is yeah. CJ yeah. Parker. So I'm that confused was, here because um... they're both sexy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so CJ Parker was Pamela Anderson's character. So, Phil, we'll start with you because you're confused. All right, good. So this event, you have to save a dummy from the bottom of a pool? Yes. How hot is that? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to use the Baywatch characters, and I wanted to talk about this event. And it was the scale that I came up with. Ah, man. Like the scale wrote the question, not the other way around right, this right, time. Right. So uh, I'm going to say, again giving props to both the Hoff and Pamela Anderson as, you know, two people that were both hot at the same time. And one of them is maybe still hot and the other is not. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you who I think is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say this event on that hot scale is a two and a half. Cause I don't know what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same spot. I'm at a two and a half, but I'm trying to think of more Baywatch characters. So two and a half for me is either Yasmin Belith or Nicole Eggert. So yeah, both of them, right? yeah, still right. good looking broads. So how about the how about the dude that was like the sheriff on the beach? That guy, you know, he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna go with a one. Because that's the low end of the scale for me, because I was really disappointed watching Life Saving because like a bunch of dudes from Denmark won it. Like Denmark and Germany were like the medalists. I'm like, how do you guys have way less beaches than we do? You just have to. We have all this coastline. Our people should be awesome at this. <laughs> and we're like we weren't even in like the top 10. So Life Saving was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, which of these do you think is made better for television? Wushu, which is actually Kung Fu. But if you watch the video, it basically comes down to like a martial arts floor routine. There's no like combat involved. 
uh, Ultimate Frisbee, which is the game that we've all, I think, played probably like in college or something like that. It's like nonstop football with a Frisbee. Fistball. It's like volleyball, but you punch a ball over a net. And it can bounce once, and then you can punch it again. And last one, orienteering. You get a map, and you've got to run a course, and you've got to find the fastest route to certain checkpoints at the end, and you run like 10 miles or something like that. Chuck, which would you most want to watch on TV? This is All of these are real? You're not making this shit up? No. Please. I could have done this all night. Because I know sometimes you throw curveballs. Nope, everything is real. And I know you make shit up. Everything is oh real. And, like there's a lot we didn't even get to. I encourage you to go to the website. This is insanity. This is on online right now in Birmingham. Yes. I, I can find all of the mm, I'm gonna say fistball. <laughs> it sounded it sounded way weirder than I thought. <laughs> but is is it like a volleyball size ball or yes. is it a you know like okay. It's soft, it's it it, it bounce it's not like you're pun- punching a bowling it's, ball. I think it's a volleyball. <laughs> I'm going with fistball. You can let it bounce. This is ridiculous. So wait, just just to be clear here, the question is which one I would rather watch, not participate in. Which, watch. Is, the, which is the best made for TV? Yeah, made for TV. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, fistball with hopes that someone in the let me show you my martial arts wushu competition is actually like the Bo Jackson <laughs> of fistball and can do both. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a yeah. But yeah, I'll I'll tune into That's about it. I was going to say ultimate frisbee because it's actually pretty fun. It should be exciting if you had like a big crowd for it. But whatever. All right, last one. Scale of one to five. (laughs) One being water, five being two spring football leagues. How necessary are the world games? I get this scale. All right, Uh, it is. It's a five. It's a five, and that's only because the scale stops there. Uh, if Burke was on, it'd be yeah. a seven. <laughs> you know, like that's how necessary this is. It's a five. I don't. I, oh, yeah, that's enough. Five. I'm giving it like a two because <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that Come the on. people who dedicate their lives playing these really crazy sports have a place to go and perform every four years and get to participate. And um, so I don't want to ruin their fun. It's a two for me. And the games continue for another week. Thank God. Uh, so trust me that I will be expecting you guys to be catching up at some point on the World Games 2022. Just to close this out real fast, they they have made it like as hard as you can to find it. Like there is a Birmingham World Games website. And then there's the actual World Games, like the entity website. And you got to go to the actual one to find the link to the YouTube videos so you can watch the events. So that's where you're going to be looking. Uh, I may start picking out events throughout the week that we can watch. So we're ready for them next week, but uh, that's it for the center of the sports universe, Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) We're going to close there. We're going to come back and talk American heroes on the big screen. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll go off the field, and after several weeks of delays, technical and otherwise, we finally get to talk real, fake American heroes. Welcome to Running in the Cinema, a from-the-land movie review of the summer blockbuster Maverick, Tom Cruise's remake of the 1957 James Garner TV classic. (laughs) It was not what I expected. Uh, And of course, I'm kidding. Maverick released on Memorial Day and the Top Gun sequel has gone on to make more than a billion worldwide. Biggest movie of the summer still, and it's not even close. So why don't we start here? Give me your tower flyby. What was your overall feel for this movie? Uh, Impressed, if we're just doing like one or two words. I was unbelievably entertained and impressed. Overall feel was a, a combination of nostalgia and just this is fucking awesome <laughs> it was great it was so much fun that i had to see it twice i would say that it was the perfect level of 80s cheese uh and done in like the most perfect way like a movie could be that is striving for that goal so tell me if i'm on to something or on something with these because this is how i saw the movie it's perfect 80s cheese Everyone is gorgeous. 
The action is over the top. There's a mountain of like melodrama. There's a fantastic feel-good ending, spoiler alert. And then there's a ton of unnecessary things that you wonder why they're there. Why was the opening scene in like becoming the fastest man in the world ever? Why was why was that necessary? Why was the sailboat scene necessary? Why was Ed Harris in the movie? It looked like <laughs> there were a thousand coffee cups on the ceiling of Penny's bar. Why? Those are what made Those it are like beer the mugs. perfect. <laughs> no, they're no, they're like porcelain white like coffee cups. They weren't beer. It's like mug clubs, probably. Beer mugs. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a bunch of coffee cups to me. Anyway, <laughs> it's cup. it's perfect level of eighties cheese. Am I on something or on to something? No, you're you're on you're on to something. But I don't want to have any of our listeners think that perfect eighties cheese has any 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 amount of negative connotation whatsoever. No, it, it does. It was fantastic. No. Yeah. And just to answer one of your concerns, I guess, I, I think the the Maverick flying, you know, Mach 10, that whole scene was was all for that kid at the bar telling him that he was on Earth. Like, I thought that was fantastic. Like, where am I? Earth. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> all right. This movie's going to be awesome. <laughs> Here we go. I've already I've already listened to Danger Zone once and we had the cheesiest joke ever. And we're only 10 minutes in. <laughs> I would say you're you're on to something because I don't think there's anything really negative that came out of your mouth. And listen, I will take Ed Harris in any movie I can get him in at this point. So I was happy. I was the first thing I said, like, oh, shit, that's Ed Harris. And my mom's like, who's that? So, okay. The nostalgia thing might have been the most powerful thing. Like, there is just a, a feeling that comes over you when you hear, like, the opening bars of like the top gun theme song i was so shocked that i felt that way and realized like holy cow man that was something that like became part of our like the fabric of our pop, pop culture in 1986 you know it's still raising the hair on my arms you know all these all these years later my wife listened to the top gun soundtrack from the minute we left the theater pretty much straight through until like yesterday so she she definitely yeah we listened to a lot of danger zone <laughs> Yeah, a little take, take my, my breath, breath away. away right? yeah. Plenty of that. So speaking of which, that's a that's a nice lead in, Chuck. Well done. Best callback to the original Top Gun options. Penny, who was mentioned twice in the original Top Gun as the Admiral's daughter that Maverick made a pass at. Great Balls of Fire, performed by Goose and by Rooster. Uh, the Porsche. Penny and Charlie, the love interest from the original Top Gun, both drove Porsches or Iceman. Oh, geez. You had to throw Iceman in there. That's tugging at the heartstrings yeah. spoiler alert um <clears throat> best callback of those options they're all really good and there's so many other callbacks too i mean throughout that movie it was yeah. just one callback after another you know talk to me rooster or whatever all this stuff right like it just that's all it was and it was great but as you listed those out i, I like the penny callback because that's sneaky <laughs> it's a it's a sneaky like i bet there were a lot of people in that movie thinking like all right wait a minute is is this character someone like, should I know about this character? I didn't know and, until and, afterwards. Right. Right. So I, I'll, I'll lean towards the penny one. Cause it was really a great character and uh, it was a sneaky callback. Uh, Phil's Phil said something like there's so many of them. And I thought in the beginning of the movie or like the first time I'm like, that's all it's going to be because you see the same leather jacket, the same motorcycle. I'm like, Oh, he would have got a better <laughs> motorcycle at this point. Uh, but for me, it's, yeah. it's Iceman only because I often wondered what happened with their relationship. Like time has passed. People have moved on. What are they like? Are they getting along? Do they still hate each other? Uh, so I'm glad they kind of wrap that up in a nice bow. So it's Iceman. I think I'd go with great balls of fire. Like there was something fun about that in the original and then seeing it again is it's it's definitely like a heartstring moment in maverick when rooster's playing it and like mav is watching and stuff like that and like oh man this this is a lot so i really like that one i thought that was a lot of fun if you had to pick one which character deserves a spinoff in the top gun universe oh damn i have to just pick a character a spinoff oh boy hmm. i think Bob deserves a spinoff. <laughs> I think there's way more to Bob than we could ever know. They couldn't even come up with a cool call sign for this guy. They just called him Bob and put him in the back of a fighter jet. Like, come on, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't think we need a Bob movie. I, I would say, um, so spinoff going forward, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing a movie about Iceman's career from 
winning Top Gun in 1986 to becoming the head of the the West Coast Navy, right? Like, yeah. like that would be cool. I would like to see a let's fill in the gap for Iceman's life. It's going to be hard um, unless we get somebody <laughs> else to play him. Yeah, well, it's going to no, be tough. Yeah, obviously we're yeah. <laughs> I think the guy, the guy that played Doc Holliday in Tombstone, he should. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was good. He looked. That like guy was good. It's the obvious choice here, and I think it's the only thing this movie got wrong. Uh, it's it's Rooster. You don't bring in Miles Teller, who is a fantastic actor, uh, and I know he's been in like comedies and stuff. But if you haven't seen Whiplash, it's like Jesus. Uh, he's he's great, and he looks the part. That has to be what this movie set up, right? Like, you, they didn't just bring it back for. For Tom Cruise, I'm hoping they didn't just bring him back for Tom Cruise. So it's got to be Rooster. Like, this can now go on for another two to three to five movies if they want. I'd actually rather just see Maverick in another one. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise is obviously still knows what uh-huh. he's doing, man. Like, he was entertaining as hell in this movie. So spin off Maverick into another one, and Rooster can come along and be a part of that one. All right. Tell me your level of interest whether you're interested or not interested, no scale or anything like that, in any of these Maverick porn parodies. First one, (laughs) Maverick riding the Top Gun. Second one, Asses in the Air, Top Buns School. Next one, Inverted Dive, Maverick 69s. (laughs) Last one, Goose and Rooster, One Lucky Stepmom. (laughs) Or should you be most interested in seeing? (laughs) None of them. (laughs) But the last title might have been the best one. What was it? Goose and Rooster. Rooster. Goose to Rooster. Goose to Rooster. Rooster. One lucky stepmom. Goose and Rooster. Yeah, yeah, I guess. (laughs) I'm just going to go with that one. Which one am I most interested in seeing? I, I, I guess uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, let, let's let's go with the inverted. Let's go with inverted. inverted let's, just, let's just open All our right. minds. Right. Inverted dive. Oh, inverted dive. I, right. Yeah. All right. Good. Lord. Next thing. Scale of one to five. One being any normal fifty-one-year-old woman. Five being the richest woman in the world, Francois Betancourt Myers. How much do you think Penny? is worth. And I did a little bit of research. She owns a bar on a beach in San Diego. I looked this up and there's one for sale in Ocean Beach for 675,000 bucks, but it doesn't include the real estate. You just get the business. A cool little two-bedroom, two-bathroom house a block from the beach in San Diego. Closest one I could find listed for 2.4 million and for some reason by comparison, Maverick lives in a, in a decommissioned airplane hangar. Penny drove a 1973 Porsche 911S in good condition. It's worth 166,000 bucks. The boat that she was sailing, her boat, is the J125 sailboat Roofless. A J125 is estimated to be worth $325,000. So Penny owns a bar on a beach in San Diego and is worth millions from what I can tell. So scale of one to five, normal 51-year-old woman, richest woman in the world. How much is Penny worth? Probably like a, a hmm, two, two? Well, that's a really wide, <laughs> normal woman to richest yeah, woman in the world. There. Big spread. I don't know. We're not even talking like about the a, porn. Even if I meant like a two. <laughs> yeah, right. A two, she's got to have a lot of cash. So I think she's she's got to be around a two, right? The old man was an admiral. I'm sure she got a nice package when he kicked the bucket. That bar... That bar is constantly have traffic in it because it's not like they're moving those naval bases out of there. So she's always got income coming in. I think she's doing all right. She's got a Porsche. She's got a she's got a sailboat. She's got a pretty nice house. Yeah, she's, she's got, got a hundred and sixty six thousand dollar Porsche. She's got an amazing house. Denko, what do you think? Uh, uh, the scale's hard. I guess <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'll put it at a, a like a two or three. But I don't know. Could the bar be owned by the Navy? No, no, it's not on the base. No, that's not. The Navy doesn't own bars. You ever see MASH? There was a bar at no. MASH. That was the army. No. <laughs> Different times, man. Different times. Different country. I get it. All right. All right. We've already spent, so, we've already I, spent way I too think, much. We've already yeah, spent the, way too much the, the time. The problem on here this. with your Go scale ahead, is the one end is the richest woman in the world. <laughs> like that's right. How much is yeah. she worth? We didn't even get that. <laughs> I don't so know. So I, I think Penny has to fall yeah. out of two here because the richest woman in the world is probably yeah. worth a, enough to own 
several several boats 18 times larger than what penny has okay moving along gentlemen <laughs> can we have a serious talk about dog fight football played on the beach offense and defense at the same mm-hmm. time there are two footballs in play they're both being snapped at the same time by centers who are facing each other and it's pretty clear you couldn't do this with any other sport right can you imagine dog fight baseball two pitchers facing each other with batters in the middle <laughs> would never work um but i think the bigger question is is dogfight football a worthy replacement for the iconic volleyball scene from the original movie i want to know why the world isn't talking more about dogfight football because having seen this movie twice i paid more attention this because i was surprised by it i'm like what the fuck this am i watching no the first time i was watching it, like, what is happening so the second time i watched it i really paid attention to dogfight football i'm like wow they are onto something here like this is this should be going on in Birmingham right now. That's what should be happening in Birmingham is dogfight <laughs> football. But what was the question? Is, is is it a worthy replacement for the volleyball scene from the first one? I don't know. I don't know. That's such an iconic scene. The the, the homoeroticism is at the same level, which is good. Yeah. That's good. There's a lot of bare-chested men hugging each other in dogfight football. So I guess from that perspective, it was... It was good. You could tell they just didn't want to do the same thing again, right? Like, and, and what else are they going to do? Oh, there's a million Wrestling. things. They could have just played basketball. They didn't have to create yeah, yeah. a game Shirts where you have two footballs skins, going right? at once. You can't even tell how many people are playing. Like, how do you score? Like, like it doesn't make any but, sense. But that's what I mean. Like, I think there's there's more to discuss about this sport. This is phenomenal. The sidebar here is they shot that twice. And Tom Cruise shut down production for like two weeks plus. Because everybody in that scene, other than him, he thought their bodies weren't in good enough shape. So he told them, like, go hit the gym, and then we'll reshoot it. What a dick. What a dick. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm 60. I look better than you. Go to the gym. But anyway, I mean, they had to do something, but you're never going to replace. And you had so many more characters. Like, they can do volleyball again because it looked like a real volleyball game at a gym. It's got to happen on the beach. I mean, maybe, maybe if it was like a multiple person spike ball tournament, maybe that's it or can jam. I don't know. But yeah, I thought it, it I thought it was all right. They need to do something. And, and though I didn't understand it, I was like, no, no, it's sun. It's sand. It's sexy. I like that they tried. You know, they needed to have something. There needed to yeah. be something yeah. similar to that. Um, I like that they gave it a shot. But no, it is not to the level of the iconic volleyball scene. But fellas, let's wrap this up bourbon scale for maverick one to five gosh i'm at like a four and a half and there's a there's a bunch of reasons why it was the the perfect summer movie that i did not expect i thought it was propaganda when they said you got to see it on the big screen and then when tom cruise introduced the movie i'm like what the fuck (laughs) am i getting myself into that was odd Uh, right like okay it's odd but it proved like maybe he's the last great movie star calls his own shots, does what he wants to do, told the studio, go stick it. This isn't going to streaming. It's going to be on a big screen. And it exceeded my expectations. It was, you should see it in a movie theater. Um, The action was over the top for people in our demographic. uh, Perfect callback. It made you feel good walking out of there. So I don't have many complaints with the movie at all, other than it missed an opportunity. And and I'll, I'll be really quick here and I'll compare it to Creed. You need a handoff for these movies. Rocky handed it off to Creed. Crew should have handed it off to, to Rooster, and he did not. And it just did. So I assume this, you're right, Gerbo. What's going to happen two or three years from now? Another Maverick movie where it should be yeah. something Rooster related. Like you need a next generation for him to go, hey, I'm going to go back in my hangar and kind of hang these things up. And that's that's enough. Or if there's another one, John Hamm needs to lose a little weight. He's looking doughy, man. Between that and like the commercials yeah. he's in, like, Come on, dude. But it's a four and a half. Like, it was something that was so pleasantly surprising to me that I thought, this is, you know, like, reboots are hot. Full House, Fuller House was good. And Cobra Kai is super entertaining. This completely exceeded my expectations. Like, it's hard for me to find fault in it. I'm going to give this a five, man. I remember when we talked about it more than a year ago, that it was on the radar. thinking, And I kept thinking, like, this... What are they doing? They're going to ruin a classic for at least people our age, a classic movie that was that this was such a iconic movie in its time and something that I continue to watch over and over again through college and beyond. They're going to ruin it. They're going to ruin it. And they didn't. Somehow they didn't. And, and the reason I'm going to give it a five is 
for what it is, right? Like I, I agree with Chuck. It exceeded my expectations by far. I had so much fun watching it the first time that I couldn't wait to watch it a second time. And oftentimes I feel that way about a movie and I'll watch it a second time and I'll think, ah, I don't know. Maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was the first time I saw it. And I left the theater the second time thinking, holy shit, I might want to watch this a third time in a theater before it gets out of here. Like that was really cool. (laughs) And it was, but going into it, knowing what you're getting into, right? We've talked about this before. This is, this is a movie. This is a summer blockbuster. This is an action film that took some things that went really, really well in 1986 and improved upon them just because technology has improved. The dogfight scenes were ridiculous in this movie, just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a lot of fun. And I would challenge anyone that enjoys watching a movie in a theater to go to this movie and not have a good time. I'm giving it a five too, because I think it was perfectly done for what it was supposed to be big time summer blockbuster, you know, with, with that perfect amount of 80 80s cheese that, that I talked about before. It was great. It was so much fun to watch. And I was kind of with you, Danko. It seemed like, why are they remaking this movie? It's been so many years. Like, like, why are we doing this again? Like if they were going to remake it, they should have done it five years after the first one came out. I thought it worked great. I thought they weaved in enough like callbacks and connections to the old movie uh, without overdoing it and making it like silly. And it was just a good fucking time. That's all there is to it. It's a good fucking time. Everybody should go see it. It was a lot of fun. I may go see it again. But boys, for now, we are out of time. I am out of questions. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Deshaun Watson's suspension is reportedly going to be no games, six games, ten games, or the whole season. (laughs) With that news that no one knows what the fuck they're talking about, I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Pitch three position players. Damn it. Uh, Connor Big Belt. Play better. They just need about seven other team. I wish athletes for more than a hundred. My wife listened to the Top Gun soundtrack. Jesus. Maverick riding the Top Gun. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to do that again because I think Denko stepped on it like an ass. Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Like I'm ready for football. To well, start we're again. we're gonna get to it because we're actually only oh. we're actually only <laughs> nine weeks from the start of the Brown season, which yeah. makes our Thirteen oh. Shades of Brown segment um, <laughs> untimely. Four can weeks we, late. Can we double it up? Can we double up? Like do two two shades of brown a day? Oh, I wanted to, but man, there's just so much. You know, like two weeks <laughs> off, and like holy shit, like a lot <clears> happened. Hey, I have a uh, Canadians right. question. Do you think they are buyers or they should be buyers at the deadline? Uh, in our division, I'm going to say yes right now. Yeah. At about 500. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For Man, sure. I read um, uh, a thing that Terry Pluto wrote um, on the Cleveland website today or yesterday where he, he says that, that they may be shopping Fran Mill right now. Yeah. Um, in in probably. part because there's a quick couple lines in the article, but like kind of sounded like what he was hearing was that they had for a while now been asking Franimal to get into better shape so he could play the outfield more effectively, and he's just not doing it. And, and I almost Man, think this is playing, not a what's that? Uh, he was playing the outfield against uh, the Tigers in that series, and it was. It was yeah. awful. Like yeah. every time the ball got hit, I'm like, "Oh God, like, what are we yeah. doing?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's bad. Yeah. He always has been. Um, I just well, think well. at 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 a time when the offense is playing so poorly, to even think about moving that guy, but I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they made the move and said, you know, we we're we're looking for culture, you yeah. know, and so if this guy's if this guy's not going to play along, it's like what um. Same with Bobby Bradley. Bobby Bradley didn't want to follow the yeah. new hitting philosophy. 
Andy sucked. Uh, <laughs> we should have named that <laughs> Dyson Award after him. And <laughs> the other rookies that they call up, though, at least for the first few series, they're all hitting the ball and, and have a great approach at the plate. I mean, yeah. Nolan Jones went like five yeah. for nine against Kansas City. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it has a really, what looks to me, like a professional approach at the plate. Like, all right, this guy looks like he knows what he's doing. You know, it's yeah. like, okay. So after a while, like you're, you're sick of why. And Fran Mill struck out three times a day. You're just like, yeah. all right. And before, yeah. before today, he was on my, my list of the guys making a comeback. Cause before yeah. today he had in the, the seven days yeah. before that he'd hit like 300 with a couple of home runs and some extra base hits and, you know, he'd only struck it out like 13 times in the week. And, you know, he was, he was really coming back. Um, I don't know. Chuck, yeah. what do you think? You think they're buying or selling? I, I think they need to buy the division's yeah. still wide open yeah. and they have to address that bottom three in yeah. the board. They need something out of there. They need it, or, or the middle. They, and I don't right. know. I you mean, address the middle and yeah, kick someone yeah, down I mean, to the bottom like, three, yeah. like a Nolan Jones. And yeah. That's better, yeah, right? that's yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would, I would like any, any catcher oh. that could hit two twenty no. would be nice. No, you, 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 know, like, you don't get that. It, Chuck. it would be, <laughs> it would be great. I, I think they have to, why not? It's a, why not? And if it's, you know, if it's Rosario and, um, and Reyes, then okay. If it if it betters the team, maybe it's a bullpen arm too. And but I I don't want to shit all over Big Earn every week. But that guy can't be yeah. he can't be up in those no. situations. He can't yeah. be no. getting at bats. You know, he just can't. All right, we ready to roll? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. No, I man. I I enjoy the Fires. Chuck Rambaldo break questions. Um, I like yeah. to know where your head's at, man. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, that's where my head's at. It's weird. It's got to be buying and selling. They're trading to get different stuff. They're swap meat. (laughs) (laughs) Even Steven. (laughs) Maybe that should be the name of our next segment when we talk about possible (laughs) moves at the break. Guardian swap meat. Steven. (laughs) Swap meat. Swap meat. Just throw a y'all in there. Swap right. meet, y'all. y'all. Swap y'all. meet, y'all. So take home message is don't mess with the Netherlands and don't don't plan to run any errands the day before. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like I didn't Stay even um, <clears throat> like I. I stopped working at about like one thirty or two in the afternoon. I'm like, this is pointless. Like, I feel yeah. like shit. First of all, like this doesn't feel good. Um, and I'm getting up every three minutes. So I'm just going to like sit on the couch near a TV closest to a bathroom. And this is going to be the rest of my day. And then I drink that Gatorade stuff and it was on. And, you know, like I couldn't, didn't go for like, I didn't take my dog for a walk or anything that night. Like that, like none of that was happening. Um, and then the actual procedure, like, you don't even know what's happening. Like, uh, yeah. despite what you might have heard from Michael Jackson, uh, propofol is a fantastic fucking drug. Oh, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they were, uh, <clears throat> like, they were wheeling me out of the room. And, like, the guy asked me, like, oh, where'd you go to law school? And I told him, oh, Case Western Reserve. Oh, where'd you do your undergrad? And I'm, I, I don't know if I answered Miami University or not because the next thing I remember I was waking up in like the recovery room and like Tammy was yep. talking to me like it was yep. amazing it was like an instant uh, that's the first time I've ever been sedated it's the first oh, time I've ever been oh, under. really yeah oh, okay. it's the first surgery I've ever I, had uh, I've had I've had a fair amount of surgeries in my life and it's I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like it's the best rest I ever, ever that's what get. the nurse was telling me yeah that a lot I, of people say that Oh man, like I wake up in recovery, no time passes in your brain, which is yep. weird. Like it's yeah. a very weird thing. Yeah. No time passes in your brain. And I've been I've been I've been out for hours for like my spine procedure was hours long, right? And I woke up in recovery 4 hours after that I was I was out. Yeah. And I just feel so rested. I I I think my my broken arm surgery too, both of them I felt like 
even as a kid, I'm like, wow, that was good. That was pretty, that was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my ginger ale and, and graham crackers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of look forward to it. it I know it's weird. <clears throat> um, Tammy said, I came out of it uh, making jokes. Like I was coming out of it and the nurse was kind of just saying like, hey, Jason, like you did a great job. And my response was, no, you did a great job. <laughs> 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 and then great. like 15 minutes later they're like okay you can they gave me some orange juice and a granola bar and yep sent me on my way see, yeah. see ya yeah um and Enjoy i came your silent farts for a couple days yeah. <laughs> um so i'm good for another yeah. 10 years uh, we'll nice be on work, like man. episode 4000 by the time we have to talk about another colonoscopy <laughs> from me. We can, um, you know what we can do instead of 40s? How many, how many world games will have <laughs> yeah. passed then? Might be an instead event of, by then. Instead of 40s, you know, next time true. you have a colonoscopy, we can we can all drink 64 ounces of Gatorade yeah. on the show. Well, you guys are going to be due this year. Yeah, you gotta I'm be due this year, too. but I'm probably I'm delaying soon. it till I'm 46 because yeah. I just had my physical right before our, our last trip last year. Yeah. And I was 44 before yeah. our last trip. Yeah. And, and I have a physical every two years and he's like, all right, 45, we can start colonoscopies. He's like, but I'm due to see you in two years. We'll just push it to there. You seem healthy. I'm like, all right. Damn <laughs> all right, it. Sounds good. That seems unfair. We should have all done this together <laughs> yeah. on our daily, on our yearly trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, like, the, um, no. the oldest like moment I've ever experienced happened the weekend before. I went to the pharmacy to get a refill on my blood pressure medicine. And like the ladies like checking me out and stuff like that. And like, oh, name, Jason Gerber, birth date, gave her the birth date. And the pharmacist comes shooting out of the back and at the top of his lungs, he's like, you're Jason Gerber? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, don't you have a colonoscopy coming this week? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> he's like oh i've got all your stuff you should pick it up now i'm like that's fantastic but does the entire drugstore need to know that this is coming oh, up? isn't hey, this against the this rules <laughs>